Welcome to Gadgets, a podcast from Gizmodo where we woman-splain the latest technology. I'm your host, consumer tech reporter Florence Zion, and I'm joined this week by an outsider, The Verge's Victoria Song. Hi, V. Hi, how are you? I'm like half outsider, right? Because like, yeah. I know. I... I, I apologize. That terminology is kind of intense, <laughs> but uh, you know, <laughs> this is a friendship podcast. We're just here to bring all of the friends who love gadgets here to talk about the gadgets you've been playing with, which are very fitness wearable centric. And i i need I needed to have you here today because you've been writing some really great stuff oh, over you. at The Verge, and I just. I I wanted to put this on your calendar so I could, you know, just talk to you about it and do it on the record. Well, of so thank you for taking this hour today. Well, well, <laughs> you know, I always love Gizmodo. Uh, I wasn't, it wasn't that long ago when we were on the same team. <laughs> I know. You know, uh, and, and, you know, I was on the first, I was on the first episode of this pod uh, back when it launched. So yeah, I always have time for you, Flo. I was... Going to bring that up is the fact that Victoria is actually the original beta host of Gadgets. We have a couple of audio archives that you will never hear that are of us just like feeling out this podcast. So a major thank you to you, Victoria, for taking that time when you were here with me to help figure out this show. It was fun. It was, you know, a long time in the making and I was so happy when it finally launched because, yay, it's like this thing that we've been talking about for a whole year. And it's like, oh, it's finally out in the open. So it's nice. It's nice. Like watching a child youth bird kind of in podcast form. <laughs> kind of. Yes, but this one lets me sleep. Oh, well, there you <laughs> go. The, the child does not let me sleep. Yeah. Uh, well, I I'm really happy to have you here because so I saw, by the way, you put out a video the other day about the Peloton tread. Mm-hmm. Did you really shove that thing into your apartment? Absolutely not. So <laughs> the nice thing about The Verge was that um, we had office space where I could have the tread. So we shipped it to the office. I came in a couple times a week to run on the treadmill in the office and then sit on the New York subway, very sweaty home. So that was how I tested that. Uh, like, like old times. Like old though, times. Yeah. Like going to the gym after work, you know? Yeah. A gym that was like an hour away from my home. <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was nice because, you know, I measured every single fathomable place in my apartment where the treadmill could go. And it, it just was not it was not going to happen because I didn't have like seven to eight feet of clearance behind me, which is what they recommend you have just because people fall. And if you fall, the last thing you want to do is go straight into a wall. So yeah. (laughs) Oh my God. Oh my God. Um, Do you think that we're going to see any more, you know, competitors come out this year against, because like Peloton has so many different, exercise machines now and i just keep seeing all these like little knockoffs especially at costco yeah no for sure you're gonna see you're gonna see way more of those knockoffs just because you know uh one thing that i usually recommend for people who are on a budget is to get a knockoff or a gym membership so that you can just subscribe to the peloton app because you know peloton's greatest product is their content right so you know 
why spend all that much if that's not within your means? Like they make beautiful hardware, but there's also like the average cost of a treadmill is $500 in the US, which is pretty pricey, mm-hmm. but a Peloton treadmill is like close to $3,000 at this point with all the shipping, yes. handling fees that have been <laughs> added on. So it's, you know, 500 versus 3,000. Mm, there's, there's a big gap there. Not to mention you have to have at least eight feet of space and a bunch of clearance around you. And with the housing crisis in America right now, that is asking a lot. Yeah. For sure. For sure. I mean, it's a great treadmill, but, you know, fitness equipment asks a lot of your home. And depending on where you live, you may not have that space to give. So, yeah. I feel like that is a really good segue into what we're going to be talking about today. You did just review Peloton Guide, which is their new little tracking camera. Mm -hmm. And so I want to hear all about your experience with that. But before we get to that, we're actually going to talk about some wearables I really invited you here today because I loved the piece you wrote about where what is happening to Fitbit and Wear mm-hmm. OS. So we're going to get into that, which I know is going to really excite the Android, the few Android people that are listening <laughs> to this podcast. I mean, <laughs> so. we can get into it. You know, I have opinions. Me included. Well, it's really because I need you to ask you what's happening because I need to do my shopping. So, uh, sure, you know, sure. all of that. And then... Finally, before we go today, we're going to talk a little bit about the marathon you recently trained for. Just, I was noticing you posting a lot on social media about the apps you were using. So I thought maybe you had some, you know. Yeah, it was a half marathon. I just don't want to put it out there that I did not run 26.2 miles. I am not there yet. Thank you. I'm, I'm sorry. Not <laughs> I'm not from it's that fine. world. So the terminology is a little above no, me. No, I no apologize. Worries, no worries. I just don't want people to be like, oh, dang. Good job, B. And it's That's like, fair. I mean, half marathon is no joke, but uh, I did not train for a marathon yes. in three months. That's <laughs> She did a tough mutter, everyone. And here's the apps she used. Okay, we'll be right back. Well, we were told that 2022 was going to be a big year for Wear OS, and with Google I.O. around the corner, I felt like this would be a really good time, Victoria, to talk about like what exactly is happening with Wear OS. But first, I want to start us off with Fitbit, because that's really the one that's been on, on folks' minds. Like, I'm, I'm wearing the Samsung Galaxy Watch 4 still. It's, you know, it's, it's tidying me over until whatever this Pixel Watch <laughs> situation thing might be. But, you know, before that, we have to wonder what has been going on with Fitbit. Um, You wrote a really great story, as I mentioned, on The Verge last week. It's going to be in the show notes for anybody who wants to go check it out about where Wear OS is heading with regards to Fitbit. So do you want to kind of start us off by explaining, like, where is Fitbit right now? Where are they currently as a a company? Yeah. So, you know, a couple of years ago, Google bought Fitbit. So technically, they're under Google's umbrella. And Mm -hmm. it's interesting because throughout Fitbit's history, they have just been RTOS based. So, you know, they have their own, they're not on Wear OS. They're not on like watch OS. Nobody's on that watch OS except for Apple. But the point is, is that they were, they had their own apps. They had their own like smartwatch ecosystem. It wasn't a good one, but they had it. And so when they got bought by Google, there was just kind of this thought that they were going to, you know, Voltron their way into something where <laughs> Fitbit had a lot of 
experience with hardware and it had a lot of experience with, you know, health data and, you know, Google's Google. So they have the resources. So, you know, there was just like this thought that you were going to get this mega fitbit, I think from it, or that there was going to be some influence that you would see like within the product. And, you know, so far, the only thing we've really seen is that you can get Google assistant on Fitbit smartwatches, which Yay. Well, you know, actually, yay, because you can get a choice between two um, two voice assistants on a Fitbit, which a lot of wearables right now can't boast having two options for you. Um, but is that yeah. Amazon's? Oh, yeah. Alexa. Is so, Amazon the other? Yeah. Okay. They can have Alexa, which, you know, isn't the best for a wearable because what are you going to do? Oh. Uh, order me my diapers or something like that on on a watch. Mm, that's kind of weird, but you would be surprised. Like the smart home control, the, I that's the one thing the smartwatch has not given me at this point in time is just the ability to have a robust smart home control that's also like simplified for the tiny watch face. I have some third party apps I've used that are really meh. But the problem with the voice assistance is talking to a watch. It's like. It's very futuristic, but it's still not the best way to interface with these things. No, it absolutely isn't. So, you know, eh. But, you know, so to get back to the point, (laughs) Google Assistant Mm -hmm. is basically (laughs) the only thing that's made its way over to Fitbit in terms of, like, Google helping them out. That we know of. Like, that is officially, like, Google-y, I guess. So... Mm -hmm. Last year, at last year's I.O., you know, they they kind of dropped the huge bombshell that Samsung and Google were joining forces to create a new unified version of Wear OS, to which I was like, well, it's about it's about time. That's great. That's, you know, Mm -hmm. Wear OS has always been super fragmented. It lagged behind other wearables uh, or like wearables using Wear OS have basically lagged behind because it just didn't get the support that it needed. And it generally left Android users kind of in a lurch where they didn't really have like an Apple Watch killer option that they could use. The closest thing was Samsung's smartwatches. But as always, Samsung smartwatches work best with Samsung products. So it doesn't serve every single Android user, um, even though, you know, I'm sure there are quite quite a few Samsung phone owners out there. But, you know, there's there's people who don't have a Samsung. So, you know, there was no one watch that made sense for Android users, like the way that if you're an Apple user, the best smartwatch for you is the Apple watch. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's, there's the opportunity with that now with Wear OS 3, when, whenever it arrives, because, you know, the watch you're using is the only one that has Wear OS 3 at the moment. So whenever that arrives, it'll be really great for uh, device makers and making stuff that Android users can actually use in terms of wearables. But then, you know, Fitbit, where does Fitbit fit in all of that? And um, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. their CEO, James Park, has basically, he's not been shy, you know, he said at these events that there will be a premium Fitbit smartwatch that runs on Wear OS. And this year would have been a great year to kind of just announce that Uh, it was here or it was coming. Like, I understand that there's timelines and product development. Things aren't always uh, mm-hmm. fast. Things change and whatnot. But it would have been a really great opportunity just because 2022 
I mean, this is the year of Wear OS, basically, because we have the rumors of the Pixel Watch. We have, um, you know, Google has always said that Wear OS 3 was going to be coming in the second half of the year. So, you know, it's it's it was announced last year, but things are going to really start getting into motion this year. So it was like a good opportunity. But, you know, now keep in mind, these are rumors. But there was like uh, a little bit of code that 9to5Google found that basically hinted that the next Fitbit products that we'll see are just updates of like the Sense and the Versa and the Lux, which, right, cool, but not what <laughs> I necessarily, you know, on a surface level, you have to be bringing something really cool in terms of uh, health features to make this kind of a, a great thing if this actually ends up happening, just because, you know, if Google comes out with a Pixel Watch, you have Samsung's watches here, like, what is Fitbit going to bring to the table in terms of the trackers that they've always had? It's just more of the same, right? And I, you know, that's kind of just disappointing because lots of people... No, Fitbit. Fitbit is a household name. You know, there are some people who just call mm-hmm. every wearable a Fitbit because that's what they, they think of. So, I don't know. It's kind of... Uh, uh, this is how I feel about it. You know, which is why I wrote <laughs> that thing. That very long piece about, like, where is this watch and what it would mean if they had this watch. And I just, you know, I, I root for Fitbit. I root for all these companies to come out with great products so that they can make my life easier because then I can just write about how exactly. these products are great but instead I have to be like where is where is this thing that we were promised that yeah you know like I've been I've been told that sometimes maybe I'm too harsh on Android wearables but no. it's only because I really want a good one for Android yeah. users yeah. like I just don't think it's fair that there hasn't been a, a watch that could truly like knock the Apple watch down a peg for Android so, yeah, that's just my frustration with it. And hopefully, hopefully, hopefully we'll see some improvement. Yeah, that's been my frustration being on this platform, too. It's like I got into Android because I was a huge nerd and I you know, I was a huge PC nerd. And then I loved the customization angle of it. But as lifestyle tech really took off for us in like the last 10 years and I started to adopt it, I started to feel really left out. Like I paid a lot of money for the Peloton. And I really like it, but I don't get the full benefit from it because I'm not in the adjacent like Apple ecosystem. I am so jealous of the Apple Watch ability to tag in to a Peloton. It's like such a simple thing, but it's such a futuristic thing that I would expect us to be able, anybody to be able to do by now. Yeah, it's really a shame just how fragmented like the Android wearable Mm -hmm. experience has been. And this is another reason why I'm just like, kind of like, Fitbit, what are you doing? Because... Fitbit has, yeah. you know, historically been one of the only platforms that is actually platform agnostic. Like you could use it if you, they, they used to be mm-hmm. like, oh, you can use it with a Windows phone for like the five people who still had a Windows phone. Uh, but you yes. know, it, it doesn't matter if you have an Android, <laughs> it doesn't matter if you have uh, an iPhone, uh, your experience with Fitbit overall is going to be pretty similar. Whereas, you know, a lot of times when there's an iPhone and an Android app, that's not always equal playing field you know so you know Mm -hmm. it would be really great just to have a truly platform agnostic wear os watch that you could use on ios and android 
and just give people uh, another option out there instead of just like having the same two smartwatches be talked about all the time. Like variety is the spice of life. And so that's what I want from Fitbit. That's what I want mm-hmm. from them to deliver. So we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. I do uh, want to just kind of end on this sort of thought and I'm wondering what you think. I, I worry that with all of this fragmentation and with only like Samsung and Apple making strides in a wearable that will help with like your personal health, I worry that that's going to actually hold back some of the advancements that we could have for people. Like I was just, you know, thinking about all the ways I would love my watch to help track my life. And it feels like that's, you know, that stuff gets held up by all of this fragmentation. Yeah. You know, especially on my beat with fitness tech and wearable tech, one thing that I've noticed over the years is like the strengthening of ecosystems and, you know, wearables have thus far kind of been used as an extension of your phone in in a lot of ways and Mm -hmm. that extends to you know um the features that these smartwatches have like a samsung watch is never going to let you forget that bixby exists even though bixby is never going to happen it's not going to happen you know uh (laughs) apple watch is always going to stick you with siri so there is there is that limitation there and you know i don't really see them backing off of the whole ecosystem play um of course of course not, competition right? so, uh mm-hmm. yeah so that's like a thing that i keep my eye on but i really do think the ecosystems are getting stronger as opposed to you know weakening so yeah at least yeah at least it's a bummer at the very least well let's take a quick little break and then when we get back we'll talk a little bit more about moving our bodies but this time <laughs> with the new peloton guide <laughs> It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Now, I am super excited to hear about this webcam that Peloton put out. It From the pictures that you put up on your review, which I'll also link to in the show notes of the Peloton guide, it looks exactly like the Logitech camera that I'm staring at you <laughs> in right now, since we have a little video feed yeah. in our recording session. Um, did it feel like that? Like working out? Like, I'm working out in front of my yeah, chat room. Of. Actually, that's a really good way of <laughs> describing it that I wish I had thought of last week when I was writing this review. But yeah, so... <laughs> The guide, the whole point of the guide is that it's addressing one of the biggest issues within uh, connected fitness and strength training. And that's beginners may not know what they're doing. So like you're mimicking what you see in a class, right? Right. But you don't necessarily have a mirror in front of you and you don't necessarily have someone to like tell you, um, excuse me, when you're squatting, your spine needs to be neutral and your knee needs to track over your ankle. Like right. instructors will say that in class a lot of the time, but that's not necessarily like 
in your head when you're actually doing things. And I think a lot of people are visual learners. So what the guide does is that, you know, it, it's, a, it's like a webcam and you get to watch yourself work out alongside the Peloton instructor. Like it's like a fitness Zoom class, but a little more elevated than that. Okay. I'm so I'm trying to visualize because I can see the device. So when you're in a class, how does it tell you that what you are doing is not proper form? So that's one of the gripes that I had is that you're not going to get specific form okay. feedback. It's on you to check your form. So like when I'm flanking, like I care about my form. So I'm just going to watch and be like, oh, my back is rounded. My hips are not mm-hmm. aligned mm-hmm. properly. I should get that, you know, to look more like the instructors. Um, you know, and when I talked to Peloton, they were saying the whole, at least at launch, you know, like this could come later down the line, but at least at launch, the idea is like accountability and guidance. So it's basically to get you moving and to make it fun for you. And, you know, they have a point. I have tested other uh, fitness tech where they're like, oh, okay, you're going to aim for eight reps. And I'm sorry, I cannot do eight good form full body push-ups. And you feel like crappy when, when you can't do it. So it's discouraging. It, it doesn't yeah. make you want to come back. Whereas, you know, this will give you credit for moving throughout the whole um, uh, like segment. So if they tell you to do push-ups and you move the whole time and you're really trying, you're going to get credit for that as opposed to like, oh, you only did four out of eight push-ups or something like that. Mm. And is there any integration with a smartwatch or any like heart rate monitor? So, you know, Peloton wants you to use their heart rate monitor, the heart rate, what's it called? I think it's the Peloton heart rate band. I think that's what it's called. And it was, that was like recently announced, right? That was something I think that came out. Yeah. It's basically a Bluetooth uh, heart rate tracker that you can wear on your forearm. So it doesn't have to go around your chest, which is nice for the ladies because chest, chest straps can be very uncomfortable Mm -hmm. uh, when you are a woman (laughs) Mm -hmm. for obvious reasons. And Mm then um, you, I think you can just use any Bluetooth heart rate monitor in that instance, but yeah, that's about it. There's no real Apple watch integration yet. I assume that that'll come at some point because, you know, fit, uh, which not fit, not fit, but (laughs) Peloton Peloton recently uh, said that they had this new Apple Watch integration for all of their machines. So I assume it's just a matter mm-hmm. of time and like figuring out the tech, tech behind it. So, yeah, there's yeah, that's yeah, why there's I was no asking. real um, Apple Watch integration, for example. Mm-hmm. And when you set it up, do you is it just like plugging in a, a set top box or a dongle? Just put it in the, H- yeah. in the TV and switch to the input? Yeah, so there's only two ports. The one port is for the HDMI cable, and the other one is for the power source, which is USB-C. Right. Um, so it's really simple. You do not need to be a wiring genius to set this thing up. Um, you just, you know, <laughs> it was like, oh, HDMI port. And then you turn the thing on, and, like, that part is easy. And then the rest of it is just kind of set up where you're like, oh, I'm pairing the remote control. Oh, I'm calibrating the camera. Oh, I'm you know, helping the camera identify my space and my movements. So, you know, all in all, it takes about 10 to 15 minutes, but it's not, it's not hard to set up. Well, so this is really interesting because we talked about, 
you know, you did the Peloton tread review and you had to store that in the office because of just how big it is. So do you see like a future for this kind of device in a person's, especially now because we've all gotten used to let's just bring everything at home? Yeah. So I think this is one of the few fitness tech products uh, that can fit into any home, you know, like treadmills, stationary bikes, stationary bikes are more space efficient, but even now I would struggle to find a, a spot in my apartment just because it's so cramped uh, to, to stash a bike. So this thing is small. It's about the size of a remote, a little like if you had a really fat remote, right. it's about the size of what this is. And, you know, if you have a TV, you can just stick it on that. So it's very space efficient. If you have at least one pair of dumbbells and a yoga mat, you can do it. And, you know, it has this um, wide angle camera. So you don't actually have to stand too far away from your TV, which was huge for me because I can only push my couch back so far. Right. Um, and, you know, when I'm testing other devices, it's, it's, real, it's real tough. The, the camera-based strength training systems because it's just difficult to get to the distance of space that I need. But with this, you know, it was a lot easier. It fit within my space. So that was actually really, that was a big plus for me because um, I think sometimes not every reviewer lives in a shoebox like I do. And there are plenty of people when they're looking for at-home fitness solutions, they have limited space and they need to be cognizant of mm -hmm. that. We can't all have garages to, to store all this stuff. <sighs> well, even in my garage where the Peloton lives, there's like, there is, you know, my husband's retro gaming station and then there's the tool bench and then there's my car. So it's like, where can I, you know, space is, space is precious especially in these, <laughs> in these times. So, but I, I do wonder if you are getting the same effects as you would, because you were talking about, you know, when you go to a class and you're looking around, you know, do you feel less anxious because you're not around, you know, other people of different levels? Oh, yeah. For sure. Like I, I, I'm someone who like pre pandemic, I was going to fitness classes a lot, especially boxing. And it is, nerve-wracking especially mm -hmm. when you're a beginner like there's a lot of anxiety that goes into fitness when you are a beginner because um it's an intimidating space like you go into a gym you see all of these machines and you see all these like dude bros going like oh yeah and like they're always grunting they're always grunting i don't understand um, but they're always grunting and you're like, well, I don't know how this machine works and everyone's waiting to use the machines and they're like oh i'm just gonna go or like if you're in a yoga class and you're just kind of looking around and you're not able to do as good of a down dog as someone or as good of a crow pose or something. But, you know, I, I think most people would feel self-conscious and I think it would stop some people from actually exploring uh, ways to move their body. So, you know, if you are an anxious person and you don't like other people, this is this is a good way to get started. Like, it, it just is. No, I, I agree with you. Anxiety is like such a, a hump to get over when it comes to physical exercise. But I'm also thinking, you mentioned yoga. One thing for me that I fear I would not get from like an online at home class versus an in-person one is a teacher who would come around and 
like say, okay, if this pose is not accessible to you, let's try this version. Or, you know, if your knees hurt, do this one instead kind of thing. Are you getting any of that with this, with the Peloton guide? Well, so the guide is only for strength training at the moment. I okay. think they're thinking of expanding it to other modalities at some point, like yoga and Pilates are two really great um, uh, exercises that, you know, could benefit from the guide mm-hmm. because those are also things that have to do with form. Uh, but I guess, hmm. so a lot of fitness classes, Peloton and Apple Fitness Plus included, they will provide you with uh, other modifications verbally. Mm-hmm. So you may not see it. Well, you will see it in fitness plus cause they always have three instructors demonstrating all the different, um, modifications, but you know, generally in my experience, they have like offered different modifications that you could do. It's, it's just, you won't get that experience of the instructor physically coming around right. and like adjusting your hips or something like that. I think some people might also prefer that though, not being physically adjusted and touched. So yeah, 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 for sure. (laughs) Well, I thank you so much for walking us through this. Like I am, I'm sort of interested, but I also need to use the bike that's in the garage. So I should probably hold off (laughs) before I get one of these things. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, you know, use what you got. Exactly. All right. Well, when we're back, we're going to talk a little bit about that half marathon you recently trained for. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. And now it's time for our final fangirl segment, which we are still doing. We're still fangirling over things. But this, so this segment, sometimes it's about going gaga over a beautiful person. And sometimes it's just talking about like the apps and the devices that make some things in our life a little easier. And so for you recently, you trained for a half marathon and training for anything requires not only uh, discipline, but I feel like that is really helped by having an app uh, to kind of help you like, you know, plan it out and and go along. So you do want to kind of talk about your experience, like using tech to train for this half marathon. (laughs) I'm like the perfect person for that. Just because, you know, because my job and then also I'm a nerd. I'm a very data self That's why I brought nerd. you here. Like, I don't know how I ended up like this, but I know, I know, I know. But yeah, so, you know, normally people would go like, oh, I have a smartwatch and that's great. I will train with this single smartwatch. <laughs> no, 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 no. I trained with two um, exclusively. And no, actually, okay. So <laughs> I trained with three wearables for this this uh, mm-hmm. marath- half marathon, and they were the Apple Watch, the Garmin Phoenix 7S, and the Aura Ring, and each of them did a different thing for me. Uh, 
because, you know, why would I make this simple? I'm going to make this as complicated uh, as possible for myself. Uh, and then I also use the RunKeeper app and Strava. So already I have five apps that I'm basically using here and three of them come with hardware. <laughs> and so like the reason that I was, <laughs> so the reason I'm doing that is, you know, a lot of half marathon or just like any distance, long distance racing training plan, it's done by distance, right? So your long run is going to be a certain number of miles. And during the week, you're going to do a certain number of miles. And sometimes there's speed work versus uh, endurance work. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you have to kind of have a sense of what pace you're running at. Or, you know, if you're training by heart rate zone, you kind of got to know how hard you're huffing and puffing at a given point in time. So I went by distance and I live on, uh, I live in New York City, which is a dead zone for GPS. And then my particular part of New York City is not great for GPS. So, you know, I need multiple data points to see that I'm actually hitting the distance that I need. Oh, wow. So I have, I have my, I have my smartphone, right. I have my smartphone, my phone's GPS. I have the Apple Watch's GPS. And then I also have um, the Garmin's GPS. And of course, they're all different. They're like close. I was going to ask which one you liked better. Then, yeah. Oh, no, no, no. I have to use them all at the same time. So I at least get a range of what I'm doing. So the Apple Watch um, is the one that'll give me the least credit all the time. So if I train by that as my minimum, I'm going to be good is basically what it is. And uh, it's not so much accuracy. I say this all the time. It's not so much accuracy, uh, at least like not pinpoint accuracy. You want it to be consistent. So if you have an Apple Watch that's consistently two-tenths of a mile off, well, you know that. You know that it's consistently two-tenths of a mile, but it's giving you the same distance for the same route every single time. So you can rely that you you have right. a baseline for your progress as opposed to like quibbling over an extra two-tenths of a mile, three-tenths of a mile. It's when you run a race, like when you run a half marathon, 13.1 miles is the minimum distance that anyone will run. Mm -hmm. Most people actually run a little bit more because you're not running the roads like efficiently. You're not like necessarily thinking about how close to the corner you're turning or whether you're going straight down the down the path. So, you know, you're going to run a, a little bit more than that generally. So, yeah. So that's why I was using those particular um watches but also because uh i wanted credit for every single training run and also um so the phoenix 7s that has this really great new feature that i really enjoyed which was um this uh how do i explain it it's, it's like a stamina monitor oh. so you know when i'm on my long runs and i'm basically running distances that i've never run before because prior to this i was exclusively a 10k person so um you know, it, it can kind of give you a sense of how pooped you are. And mm -hmm. like, for me, that was really, it was really great because I was like, oh, oh man, I'm at mile like four of eight for my long run. And I am below halfway for my endurance of what's left. So maybe I should like chill a little bit. So, you know, that was helpful for me. Um, other people may not find that super helpful, but I really enjoyed it. And then, you know. That's like an RPG character, I have to say. <laughs> 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 or 
watching that meter just go up and down. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then the other aspect of it is that, um, so the reason I was using the aura ring is that training is part of it, but so is recovery. Um, And you can't, how do I put it? Well, it's like my goal, I was not having a time goal because this was my first half marathon. My goal was to finish. But on top of that, it was to finish without any injuries because I spent like a lot of last year injured because um, shin splints, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Like I don't want that for a half marathon. And I was going from like zero to a hundred because, you know, um, I was injured last year. My fitness had declined uh, to that. And, you know, it was right after the holiday seasons when I started training. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) uh, I was basically doing a very fast half marathon training plan i was like <laughs> ideally i would have had an extra four weeks to train like i would have loved having an extra four weeks but i kind of crammed it into a, a shorter time period so yeah i needed to take recovery very seriously in that instance and you know the whole thing about the aura ring is that it's tracking your sleep and it's tracking your heart rate mm-hmm. variation which is like a, a measure of bodily stress so that you can kind of see how you're doing on a given day. And some people make fun of me because it's like, of course, you know, when you're tired and you're not feeling it. Yeah. Yeah. That is true. Uh, It's nice to have some extra validation Mm -hmm. so that I'm not going to like push myself beyond my means, but it's also, there's some days where you're kind of in a gray area where you could push it or you could rest. And sometimes I wasn't exactly sure which one would be better for me? And so, you know, I would look at it and be like, oh, okay, you know, uh, I can push it or, you know what, I'm going to take it easy. And those gray area days really helped to have some sort of like barometer. Like, is it is it 100% accurate? Probably not. But the whole idea is to take it with a grain of salt yes. and understand your baseline. And from there, like determine what is the best course of action for you. The fact that I needed so many apps is just because I'm a crazy person. <laughs> and also like I was using Runkeeper just because it had a built-in half marathon training uh plan. Uh so that was like a nice way to not like not think about it um versus like going online and seeing all these plans and getting super overwhelmed by the by the sheer number of plans out there. Uh, So it was just nice to have that within Mm. that app. And then I think anybody who uses fitness tech will agree, but you use Strava just because it's a hub. Yep. Yep. So any data that you have coming from different wearables, you can kind of aggregate in Strava and have one nice place where all of that sits. So that's why I had Strava. I actually don't use Strava for anything else other than like a little hub. I notice your Strava feed is pieces from like different wearables and different programs. But that's like I use it for the same thing because it integrates with my yoga app and it integrates with the Peloton. And then it also works with Samsung Health. So it's like, why not just have one place where all this data is, you know, makes sense. Yeah. 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 And there's so many different running apps out there that I could have used. I used to use Map My Run. There's Nike Run right. Club, blah, 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 blah. I, I just happened to be in a phase where I'm using Runkeeper. I like that they tell me, uh, I like that they tell me where my run stacks within a certain distance mm-hmm. over time. So it's like, oh, this is your third fastest run between six and eight miles or something like that. So it's, it's, it's nice. We'll see. I'm always switching between the apps, which is why Strava is the one constant. <laughs> but 
Yeah. Same. I, yeah, I'm trying to build a little like social network on Strava just because it's it's kind of nice to like wake up to a friend being like, good job. You did that 20 minute walk yesterday. I know like it's been really hard for you, but good job. And I'm like, I did it. I did the 20 minute walk. Thank you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the community <laughs> aspect is huge. Mm-hmm. It's super huge. Yeah. Uh, you can like someone, one person giving you a kudo is like, yes, hell yeah. I exactly. There you go. God bless. Kudos. Well, Victoria, thank you so much for being here. I really enjoy your company and just like being able to nerd out with you about this stuff. Sincerely, I enjoyed doing today's show with you. Thank you. Oh, thanks for having me. It's always fun. (laughs) How can people find you if they'd like to check you out on the internet? Uh, well, you can find me uh, at theverge.com, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but you can also you can also find me on Twitter at uh, Vic M Song. That's I'm not the K-pop star, but <laughs> that is me. <laughs> Perfect. Well, before we go and end this episode, we'd like to thank our producer and our sound engineer, Ryan Allen, for making us sound great every week. And our cover designer, Vicky Lita, who made our artwork look so divine. We want to remind you that if you want to find us on the internet, you can tweet us at Gizmodo and you can email us at getjets at gizmodo.com. I am working on a uh, help episode coming up so please send in any questions that you have about tech and gadgets that you want to buy or use don't forget that uh you can find me on social media at oh that flow on twitter and wherever else you get your feeds be sure to subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts leave us a review on apple Podcasts and spotify and until next week we'll be back with more woman splaining <laughs>